Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Salutations, friends. Hello, everybody. We've got a great show for you today. I just got back from Disney with my family, and so we are chatting about Disney conspiracy theories, and then we are going to talk about single child shit. Only child, which Ashley and I are, and our children are. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag, but up next, take it away, child. Kicking shit. My tits are, my stepdad is a Disney adult. He hasn't always had the best family life, like before meeting us. Seeing him with Luna, I've talked about this, is the most healing thing. Oh, that's so nice. He is such a good pop-up. And seeing them together at Disney, two people who love Disney equally, a six-year-old man and a four-year-old little girl, was just so good. Wholesome, healing, and just makes me so happy to see my stepdad so happy and my daughter so happy. As many of you know, I just recently got diagnosed with ADHD and female, quote unquote, high functioning, which is not really a term that they use anymore, autism. I use that because I am keenly aware that there are many people who are autistic and who have autistic children that have a very difficult time helping their child function and maybe functioning themselves. I don't want to negate that and I don't want to make light of it. And I know that I might not seem autistic. In olden times, it used to be Asperger's. They don't really say that anymore. It just all falls underneath that autism spectrum. I think I saw a TikTok that said that they changed the name from Asperger's because Dr. Asperger was a Nazi or something like that. Yeah, he was. It was terrible. Also, Asperger. Right. It's just a really bad name to begin with. My close friend has a child who is autistic and not highly functioning. And so I almost feel bad saying it, except that books on female autism and reading about it has really helped me put into perspective the feelings I felt when I was a child and some of the conflicts that I've had in my adult life that I've struggled with. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with all this information. I'm already 44, almost 45 years old. What's going to change? But it did give me clarity. With that, I got the diagnosis and then we went to Disney World. Well, let me tell you something that's real sensory. Disney World. I really need a lot of alone time. I don't like big crowds. Lights are very sensitive to me. And that is what Disney is. I came home not only physically depleted from seven days in Disney going to a park every single day, afternoon and evening, but just having to be on that whole time and not have any private time, it's just really depleted me. And so now the more that I'm aware of my diagnosis, the more I'm aware of why these things affect me. It's sort of like the episode before when we talked about cycling, using your period to figure out your productivity. It's like when you've hacked that feeling when you're like, why am I such a bitch? And you're like, oh, it's the day before my period or whatever it is. That makes sense. Why do I want to eat 100 pieces of meat? Oh, because I'm going to bleed out of my vagina soon. My ADHD autism diagnosis is like that. Why am I such a raging see you next Tuesday? Oh, because I've had zero alone time and all of my senses have been assaulted. That's why. So that's my shits. My shits are I am losing a lot of hair. A lot. This isn't the season to do that either. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. At first I was like, oh, well, you lose hair as the seasons change. And then I started 
thinking maybe it's from having COVID over the summer. Maybe. At Target, they sell this rosemary hair oil. I have that. It's not helping. The only thing that I've seen any kind of a difference is I went down this wormhole on TikTok of people who are using diluted apple cider vinegar as hair wash. And so I did that last time I washed my hair. I don't exactly love that, but I did notice less hair came out when I washed it. It's just making me really nervous. But you also have a lot of hair to lose. I do, but I also have a very Samson connection to my hair. It's like all my strength and it's something people have always talked about. So to feel like I'm losing that is a weird insecurity. Get rid of that insecurity because I used to have that long mane of hair and then I cut all of it off to play a boy. So much hair. Everyone knew me by my hair and I felt really like I wasn't going to be attractive or anything. Then when I realized nothing had changed that much, it was one of the most freeing experiences I've ever had that I'm more than my hair. That's why I love that Frida Kahlo painting where she shaves her head. It touched me on a deep level. But instead of getting over it, I'd rather just not lose my hair. We'll see how it goes. I also have started highlighting my hair, which for 35, 36 years of my life, I had virgin hair in terms of hair color. I never colored it and I started highlighting it to blend in my grays. So I don't know if maybe the bleaching process for highlights is part of it, but this is where we are. I'll keep you guys updated for what I find. I do personally think that there's something in shampoos. We just found out pretty much every dry shampoo is being recalled because it had a cancer-causing agent. As a curly girl, I don't really shampoo. I don't know how because I get greasy. Apple cider vinegar did get rid of the grease, but it's a pain in the ass process. Every person who goes to co-washing, your hair will get used to it and not create so much oil. What's co-washing? Co-washing is when you don't use shampoo, you use conditioner instead. For a month, your hair is extra greasy and then it just regulates. I'm doing self-tapes multiple times a week. I don't really have time to get used to that. We'll see. That's my shits. My tits are... Matt was in Napa for three days for some work thing. And aside from missing him, I was insanely jealous because who doesn't want to be in Napa eating and drinking and enjoying the beautiful settings? On someone else's bill. Yeah, and not pay for any of it. Although he was in a very creepy room that had a Victorian painting of a little girl staring at him. And I was like, take it down and turn it around. To entertain myself, Sebastian was at school during the day. I had work, but I was like, I don't feel like doing this. What can I do to put it off? So I organized all of my craft shit. And I have to tell you, I'm just so happy. I have a nice little workspace. Sebastian had a diorama the week before that he had to do for school. And it was such a pain in the ass because I couldn't find my stuff. I had to bring it all upstairs. I love a diorama. I can't wait till Luna has to do that. Oh no, I love doing it. But all I could think of is, wouldn't it be nice if I was doing this with Sebastian in my little crafting area on that table? Right. So now I have that all done. So I'm very happy about that. I can't wait to see it. It's very simple tits and shits. You know, I'm a simple gal sometimes. Sometimes. Disney, it's really polarizing. You either love it or you don't. I love it. But either way, you have to respect the domination it has over everything. The commitment, the organization, whoever runs that has to be a Virgo. And the secrecy behind it. So we are going to do a little deep dive in honor of my trip. Let's just go deep into Walt's cryogenically preserved brain and get down to business. Walt is not actually frozen. That's a big thing that people say. In reality, he died in 1966 from lung cancer and was cremated to 
two days later. He's not scattered in Disneyland. He's at Glendale Cemetery. A recent Facebook post said that Disneyland estates have been used for MK Ultra mind control, human trafficking, occult rituals, and parading sexual deviants. I feel like Ron DeSanctimonious may have made that one up. So there is a theory that someone got decapitated on Space Mountain. That is false. However, in 1964, a man stood up on the Matterhorn and hit his head and then died from the injury. Which doesn't exist anymore, right? Now it's like a frozen ride, the Matterhorn. Yeah, I had been on the Matterhorn. It was a fun one. The dolls in It's a Small World work even when they are unplugged. Cast members often swear that they see the dolls blink or appear in different places than the day before. TikTok is filled with conspiracies about It's a Small World. And that's one of the rides that doesn't really shut down. It goes all night. They say a little boy haunts the haunted mansion in Orlando. I believe that. A lot of this was written by cast members, by the way. Cast members say they hear him giggling and mimicking back the lady at the very end that says, hurry back, right after the ride shuts. And they mostly hear it at night. Walt Disney apparently still haunts his firehouse apartment on Main Street in Disneyland, which is the one in California. An employee was cleaning the apartment shortly after Disney died, and the lamp in the window kept turning on by itself. Now the park keeps the lamp on as a tribute to Disney. People swear they occasionally see the curtains moving on their own. I knew that they kept the lamp on. I didn't know that it was because it likes to turn itself back on when you've turned it off. Good for him. He should haunt the place. As long as he wasn't a Nazi like they say he was. Right. If he was a Nazi, then I feel really bad about loving Disney so badly. People are constantly trying to dump ashes of their loved ones on Disney property. I mean, if my stepdad was cremated, I would probably do the same. This has supposedly become so much of a problem over the years that employees have been trained on how to handle the situation. A ghost of a former employee haunts the Tower of Terror, which is now the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. The story goes a cast member had a heart attack while loading guests onto the ride and died in the building. His spirit haunts the ride now. Platform D is the supposed spooky spot that current employees are scared of. I have a my mom being extra hard Tower of Terror ride story. When I was about seven or eight, I had never been on a roller coaster and my mom really wanted to go on Tower of Terror and I was fucking terrified, crying, like, please don't make me go. Please don't make me go. My mom was like, you're going on the ride. So we go on the ride. It's as fucking terrifying as I feel like it's going to be. It's changed, too. We've had that discussion on the show. Honestly, it's scarier. Now it's Guardians of the Galaxy. But the change they made before that made it scarier. So we get off the ride, and I'm like, oh, my God, okay, I'm done with this. And my mom goes, we're doing it again. And I was like, God damn it. Your mom is a hard act, man. She is. So the seance book in Disney World, Florida, Haunted Mansion, was originally a real 14th century book of witchcraft. Ooh, I know as a person who likes ghosts, don't mess with that. We've seen Hocus Pocus. Yeah, don't mess with that. Cast members had the hardest time keeping the book in an upright position. The table would be turned over or the book would be somewhere else. They finally just had to replace it. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Disney World is haunted by a spirit named George. I want to know why they know it's George. I do too. So this quote says, my sister's roommate did the college program and said that if they didn't say good morning George and good night George at the beginning and end of the day, the ride would shut down and they'd have problems with it all day. It's kind of like when we had Joe Peretta on and I told your mamu, whatever, to shut the fuck up and then our technology didn't work. I know. I still regret that. So I wasn't repeating it, mamu, just for the record. I was not repeating it to you. I was just telling the story and I think you sound like a baddie and I feel like you would appreciate that I told that story again. And she would like you, actually, with your foul mouth. So a teen drowned trying to swim from Tom Sawyer Island back to the main Disneyland 
Buckingham Park. Two brothers snuck out and hid in the island until the park closed, which is kind of awesome. It's like what every kid dreams of. Kind of like my dream of staying overnight in a Target. They tried swimming back to the main park, the older one with the younger one on his back, but the older one went under. They found his body the next morning. That's a real bummer. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's a true one, right? Some of these are just true facts. I don't know that this one is. A ghost used to haunt the people mover, causing it to shut down all the time in Disney World. A young kid died on the ride by jumping from car to car. We swear his spirit haunted the stock room and he opened the emergency exit doors on the track that were locked. While I was there, the people mover was shut down three times. I don't think in any time I've been there, the past couple of times it's been open. Space Mountain was closed too. Oh, weird. A cast member was crushed between the walls of Disneyland, California's American Sings ride. This was one of the most tragic events in Disney Park history. After the incident in 1974, the ride was rebranded to the Carousel of Progress, eventually shut down altogether. One of the most boring rides in eternity. I know. That's when you just need to sit down and have air conditioning. That and the Hall of Presidents. Disneyland has a strange ghost who can sometimes be seen running along the monorail track. While the ghost part may not be true, a man did die after trying to sneak into the park in 1966. Thomas Cleveland climbed a wall onto the monorail track. When spotted by security, he bolted and was hit by the monorail. Can you imagine being on that monorail and just being like, I see a ghost. Can you imagine being there for the happiest vacation of your life and someone is just murdered? So this is an urban legend. Someone hanged themselves in It's a Small World in Disneyland, California. This is generally assumed to be untrue. While passengers were being evacuated for safety concerns, one lady took pictures. One image showed someone hanging from the ceiling above the ride, but it may be a prop. It really looks like a prop to me. It doesn't look like a person. The spirit of a man haunts Disneyland Space Mountain. It's more Disneyland than Disney World. All of California is so haunted with the souls of people who are just sad. You can feel the crushed dreams. The spirit of a man haunts Disneyland Space Mountain and sometimes people see him fall off the ride. <laughs> Mr. Wedway died while helping build the ride and never got to see it finished. Sometimes he'll ride next to you. When I worked at Disney, we'd have guests screaming that there was a guy next to him on the ride who was there but fell out. Well, that's terrifying. Yes. Someone died of a heart attack on the Haunted Mansion ride in Disney World because it was too scary. It's not that scary, dudes. I mean, it creeps me out. I like it, but it gives me heebie-jeebies. Oh, really? It feels like there is something scarier there to me. Well, maybe it's this story, Ashley. The Haunted Mansion opened in 1969, but some say that in earlier version of the ride was very terrifying and that a man was invited to preview the attraction, suffered a heart attack, and died. Due to the unfortunate circumstances, Disney ordered the ride toned down to prevent anyone else from being scared to death. There's no evidence to support that anyone died in the Haunted Mansion, though an 89-year-old woman did break her hip getting off the Doom buggy once. Just her hip haunts it, that's it. Yeah, because it was replaced, I'm sure. There's an abandoned water park at Disney World, and allegedly music still plays over the loudspeakers. Oh, I've been to River Country. People who've documented their explorations of the park in recent years have been dealt heavy repercussions from the Disney company. Many people believe there are a number of abandoned Disney properties holding spooky secrets. This is sort of true, especially if you're afraid of baby vultures. River Country, I just remember the water feeling dirty. It was like a lake and it was brown water, which in Florida is really weird. They have a lot of blue water. So Discovery Island, originally called Treasure Island, was a Disney-owned island in Bay Lake from 1974 to 1999. Most people believe that the park shut down due to Florida laws regarding bacteria in the water, maybe brown water. Other people have littered comment pages about the island with theories, basically that the government bought the island from Disney to use as a death camp. <laughs> Disney did at one point consider turning the park into an interactive game inspired by the video game Mist, but that project never got off the ground. Writer-photographer Shane Perez once broke into the abandoned Discovery Island by 
swimming there. He and his cohorts took several photos of the grounds, revealing an eerie scene with baby vultures and preserved snakes in jars. Disney was not cool with their adventure and threatened to ban Perez. Urban legend states, and this is true, and they have an Instagram page if you're a cat person. Disney released a number of cats into the park, and we note the irony here to control the rodent problem. Get it, Mickey, rodent. That's not true, but there are a bunch of cats that live at Disneyland, according to Disneyland cats. They just didn't do them to do the rodents. Oh, I thought for sure they did it. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Walt Disney was suspected to use Club 33 for Freemason or Illuminati meetings. And many people thought Walt Disney was a member of the Freemasons, a group that in many conspiracy theories is believed to be run by the Illuminati in an attempt to establish the New World Order. One of my Disneyland dreams, other than going to the Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique, which I'm too old for, is to go to Club 33. The rumor about Club 33 was you had to get off of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride right before it actually pulled in where there's a little platform and there was a side door. That was the urban legend I always heard. And now they made Club 33 an actual place you can go into. Somebody said it's by the map room and it's a secret door or something. You have to be a member. You have to pay some crazy fee to get into Club 33. Correct. And the fee goes to charity. Oh, that's nice. Interesting. I have a bunch of Freemason stuff because Lee's grandfather was a Freemason. So I have jewelry with the Mason thing. Disney was a level 33 Freemason or something. Who knows? Don't take any of this as facts. Alleged, alleged, alleged. Lots of people seem to think that Disney will not allow anyone to die in its properties, requiring an ill-fated guest to be officially pronounced dead somewhere else. In the book, Inside the Mouse, a writer claims that a medic said that this was actually a park policy when a guest killed himself in front of the Epcot Center at Disney World. After a rough breakup, there's first aid that you can see next to baby changing first aid, right? But then the actual medic tents are in the parking lots outside of the park. And then I think that they just say critical condition, put them in the ambulance out. Two weeks before we went to Disney World, a man died of a heart attack. Here are some deaths. In 1964, a 15-year-old boy was killed trying to stand up while on the Matterhorn bobsleds. In 1998, Luan Phi Dawson, 33, and Liu Doi Vong, 43, I'm sorry if I butchered those, were waiting to board Columbia. As the boat docked at the Rivers of America, it tore a metal cleat loose, which struck both Dawson and Vong. Vong survived, but Dawson was declared brain dead two days later. Oof. Ricky Lee Yama was crushed to death in 1967, and Gerardo Gonzalez was crushed and dragged by a car when he fell into the track. In 2003, Marcelo Torres was killed on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad when the car was separated from the rest of the train. Jeez. Torres was the only fatality, but several other passengers sustained injuries. There's this theory that there's a dead body at Disneyland in the Pirates of Caribbean attraction. Oh yeah, that skeleton. I saw that on a travel show. That's fake. No, it's a real skeleton. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a real skeleton skull. Ew. There's just one. I know which one it is because I was just on the ride and they showed the picture. He's got a sash and it's on the wall. Yeah, it's just a gilded decoration type thing. And then here we go. In 2016, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission reported that a seven-foot alligator bit a two-year-old boy, Lane Graves' head, as the boy bent down at the edge of the lagoon gathering sand for sandcastles at the Grand Floridian Resort, and he died. Those poor parents. I know. And that Grand Floridian's expensive. So there you have it, guys. Disney. The man, the myth, the legend. (laughs) 
Today's episode is brought to you by Docatot. Calling all mamas, if you're expecting, have a newborn, or are looking for a baby shower or holiday gift, we've got you covered. Docatot are the trusted experts in baby comfort and safety. This lifestyle brand is made for the modern parent and creates functional solutions for feeding, playing, resting, sleeping, lounging, and beyond. And honestly, we can attest to that. Our kids used them. From the award-winning dock to the whimsical play tents and nursing pillows that double as home decor, the Docatot brand grows with family through every stage and phase. Your baby deserves the best of the best, and you do too, Mama. Our listeners will get the best deal that they have to offer. Get 15% off plus free shipping with the code MOMTRAGE15 at docatot.com. I wish this docatot pillow was around when I needed one because it's gorgeous. This is so beautiful. It's got a tassel. It doesn't have baby elephants on it. I was always annoyed by that. The holidays are here. I don't think there's a better gift for anyone than something that supports both mom and baby. And I think Docatot is perfect. I try to be the friend that gets pregnant friends the cool things. I have friends that I like to say have exquisite taste. Not only are all their products the best, but the finishes on them, the fabric, the coloration, that is really, for me, what sets Docatot high above everything else. I feel comfortable giving my classy friends this gift and knowing that I'm going to seem awesome. There are a lot of things that get marketed towards new moms and expecting parents as essentials that genuinely are not. A baby diaper pail, you don't need that. It's going to stink no matter what. Just buy something cheap. The original Docatot, I think, is genuinely one of the things every parent needs. Sebastian was in that for so long. I loved it, and I am so excited that we get to talk about these new products that I didn't even know existed. So now they have all these sleep essentials. I have... Have the swaddles. Look at this, this rust and this mustard stripe. And then I also have the sleeping bag. Luna hated to be swaddled. She hated it. But the sleeping bags, she lived in them until she was climbing out of the crib. But we lived in these things. And the fabric is breathable. It's really lovely. And it looks good. These clothing products and the sleep bag have a side zipper and a snap-on, snap-off shoulders. So that diaper changing is easier because you know with that phase, you're dealing with a lot of poop. And Dakotot is the leader in craft. Craftsmanship, aesthetically designed and pleasing to the eye products. I can attest to that. And they offer high-end sought-after products at affordable prices. You're going to be the mom that people recognize. This nursing pillow does have a zipper, which is great because when you're nursing, there's just milk spillage, there's spit up, there's all kinds of things happening. So you want something washable. I slept with that pillow too because my belly still hurt afterwards and I would prop it underneath my belly. Yeah, so it wouldn't drag while my muscles were healing. I had the one that flipped on around you and it was such a pain to constantly put on and put off but I needed some kind of support so this is the perfect solution for all of our nursing moms out there. It's called the Maman Wedge. It was created to lend new parents the support needed for feeding time and it's designed to decrease neck and back strain that often goes along with nursing and bottle feeding sessions. Because feeding happens at all hours of the day, Dakotot decided, why hide your stuff? Just make it a part of the beautiful decor. Genius! Doc- Docatot thinks that your home should be a reflection of your style. And now with these new products, you won't have to sacrifice style for safety. It's time to invest in a piece that will grow with your family. Like I said, wouldn't this be cute on your kid's bed even after they're not breastfeeding? Yes, it's like a little moon. Babies, mamas, and gift givers, this is the best brand you can buy for that precious child and mom you love the 
most. Get 15% off at Docatot.com with the code MOMTOURAGE15. That's 15% off with the code MOMTOURAGE15 at Docatot.com. Parenting is hard, but Docatot makes it easier. So the next segment is from an Atlantic article called Are Only Children Worse Off Than Ones That Have Siblings? Ashley and I talk about this all the time because everyone's always like, oh, you have one. Are you going to give your little girl a brother or sister? No, I give my child life and I give things every time I open up my wallet. I don't need to give my child anything else. It's such a loaded question because nobody knows. Maybe you can't have another kid. Maybe something happened. It's so presumptuous to say that to somebody. And also, who are you? You don't pay my bills. You're not the one that's going to be saving for this kid's college. I'm just really tired of people telling me I'm making a mistake by not having more children. It's not your business. You don't babysit for me. You don't pay the bills. You don't do any of that. So why is your opinion more important than mine as the person living my life? So this article basically talks about all the stigma around having just one kid. In the cultural consciousness, only children are frequently pegged as weirdos, maladjusted, selfish, spoiled, uncompromising, or just unusually precocious. We are at once pitied for our slightly siblingless children and judged for the supposed eccentricities it has left us with. But here's the fun part. Research doesn't support the idea that only children are any worse off than those with siblings. But kids as young as eight, including onlys themselves, have still been found to hold prejudices against only kids. The mythic persons of the only child can be traced back as far as 1896 when a Clark University fellow named E.W. Bohannon conducted a study of peculiar and exceptional children. I'd love to read that study. After observing more than 1,000 children, he declared of the 46 onlys, they have imaginary companions, do not go to school regularly, if at all, do not get along with other children, and well, as a rule, are generally spoiled by indulgence and have had bad health in most cases. I mean, I don't like most people, so maybe he has a point there. All those kids were farming children who live far away from school and had to be homeschooled. In 1922, the psychologist A.A. Brill wrote, it would naturally be best for the individual and the human race if there were no only children. Ew! What a dick! He probably was an only child and had some self-hatred issues. You and I both know only children don't have a lot of self-hatred issues. In 1968, the New York Times ran an article titled The Only Child Syndrome advising parents to adopt a second child if they couldn't give birth to another. In 1979, the writer George Crane urged people not to marry only children. Their irrationality and inflexibility he claimed would make divorce more likely. Talk about bad PR. I agree with you. I am 100% inflexible and I'm irrational, but love me. You have some points there. Depictions of onlys in movies, TV, and literature haven't helped our case. Onlys is such a weird phrase. I don't like it. We need to change this. I know. Eloise, the children's book character who lives at the Plaza Hotel, Veruca Salt, who's tossed into a garbage chute at Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, are spoiled brats. But daddy, I want to noompa loompa and I want it now. Oh. Hermione Granger, first of all, amazing, is the annoying know-it-all of Harry Potter series. She's awesome, though. She saves those guys. And she's a badass girl. That's right. So indeed, indeed, being an only child is regularly used to convey otherness, whether exceptionally bad or exceptionally good. Rory Gilmore from Gilmore Girls is such a bookworm until fans have counted more than 400 books referenced in the show. And meanwhile, films like Cheaper by the Dozen, Yours and Mine, and Ours valorize, do they? Because I saw those movies and I was like, too many. 
many children. I was too, but I do think that they were lamorizing the idea of what a big family is like. Yeah, but you know what? Your family was so big in Home Alone, you forgot one of your children, you didn't even notice it. Very good point. And those weren't even all their kids. I think they only had three kids. And they lost one of their own. Two times! Both of these movies were remade within the past 25 years that they glorify a family model that hasn't been typical since the 1850s. You know you're an only child when you see those movies and you're like, yeah, that sounds so noisy. I'm not into that. Our World in Data reports that the average number of births per American woman shrank from 3.6 in 1957 to 1.7 in 2021. But the multi-child ideal has nevertheless persisted. In 2015, the Pew Research Center reported that 86% of people think families should have at least two children. Why? In 2018, Pew reported that 41% of adults think three or more is best. Pew, pew. What's his pew? (laughs) Side note, talking about movies that glamorize more than one kid. I just saw a funny meme that said, how fucked up is the custody agreement in the parent trap? You have two identical children and one goes to the father and one goes to the mother and they can never see each other. It's horrible. According to Tony Falbo, who researches only children at the University of Texas at Austin, financial considerations and career ambitions may take precedent over having multiple children. Yeah, especially now. With record high student loan debt and child care costs, women are also having a child later in life than ever before. Uh, me. Leaving less time to do it again. Still, Falbo believes that onlys agitate people's understanding of what a family should look like. I agree. Research shows that only children tend to be closer to their parents. Hi. And to regard them with more warmth and respect than people with siblings do. They may feel more at ease interacting with teachers. Yes. Uh, I have authority issues. Probably because they speak mostly with adults at home. I did go into every adult situation because I was constantly around adults. I was always with my parents and could talk to grown-ups. Yeah, of course, me too. Most contemporary studies don't find any notable disadvantages for only children. Onlys actually tend to have higher intelligent test scores and more ambitious career goals, perhaps in part because they face less competition for their parents' emotional and financial resources. But these advantages seem to even out in adulthood. Only children and children with siblings ultimately have the same employment rates, marriage outcomes, levels of mobility, and average number of kids. A longitudinal study called the Project Talent for which more than 400,000 teenagers were interviewed in 1960. That sounds like a terrible job to interview all those teenagers. Again, one, five, and 11 years after they graduated from high school, or were supposed to, concluded that onlys are more interested in solitude and less likely to join group activities. Sure. What's wrong with that? Agreed. You know what? I don't like doing things. And in 2016, researchers in China took MRI brain scans and found that compared with kids of siblings, only showed greater flexibility, a measurement of creativity, but lower agreeableness. Is that not good? They have a mind of their own, but they're willing to consider. Then again, it's possible that onlys tend to be less sociable because the culture doesn't embrace them. So it's your fault, society. Right. I also think that society, and this is coming off of today, we're still waiting for the results of the midterm elections. So let me get political. I think that part of the stigma of the only is to acknowledge that we're using birth control to not have those kids and that this fundamentalist idea that we're supposed to not give women rights over their bodies to say that you only want one says that you were doing something to not have more. And I think that what we're seeing now in culture in America, which is highly disappointing to me, is that that still rings true. That we're not wanting to discuss that you might have an abortion or you might take birth control or whatever it is because you actively do not want to have any more children. I completely agree with you. For 
further than that. We are now in a society where women are well-educated, career-driven, and make choices of their own as opposed to what their husbands dictate to them, which has been the societal norm. Having more kids keeps a woman down. It's not even keeps a woman down. It's We look at the reason Trump did as well as he did, white suburban women. I know one of these women. I vote for who my husband wants me to vote for. I don't have my own identity. I stay at home and I raise kids. And that's okay if that's your life. But times are a changing, baby. And there are a lot of us that don't feel like we were put on this planet to raise children and not do anything else with our lives. To those women who may be listeners, I don't necessarily know why you enjoy, but what do you think about if you have a daughter? Do you think that your daughter should follow suit? I mean, I think they do. I think they do think their daughter should follow suit. I think things change when you have kids and you start to see that it's more than just you. But maybe things don't change for some people. I don't know. It's very interesting as a Jew to see how much anti-Semitism really exists. This is something I grew up being warned about. This is something I've learned history about and been taught about. And to now with this Kanye thing and all this MAGA culture. That basketball player who actually is from Montclair. Kyrie something. I had never heard of him before. So to see this coming out of the woodwork, something that I have lived as and not experienced until now, it is a very scary time to realize how much anti-Semitism actually exists. And I think on the other side of that, it's been very interesting to watch how much misogyny actually exists in this country as well. This has been brought to light with Roe versus Wade, with the Me Too movement, with voting. Look at that Jacinda whatever from New Zealand, who's incredible. She was like breastfeeding while giving a speech. Amazing. But I do want to say one more thing. This is a big gripe I have. There are people in our lives, multiple people, who have multiple children. They have complained to me about how people don't give them good gifts for their kids or don't give the kids gifts on time and all this other stuff. I have to say, how dare you? You didn't choose to have five children to get gifts. You want to choose to make that decision in your own life. That is your choice. You are allowed to do whatever the hell you want, but then do not expect other people who make responsible decisions when it comes to their finances, when it comes to family planning, when it comes to all of those things to then have to come through and support this decision that you have made. John and Kate plus eight. Imagine what that family. I swear to God, I would be like, for Christmas, you're getting a ball pit and you all can just share it. One thing my sister and I, I'm glad about is that I get each of their kids a separate birthday present. But for Christmas and stuff, I just get something that all the boys can play with. And my sister is like, great, I don't need more shit in my house because I have kids. That's lovely. I am expected to come through with gifts for each one for every holiday. I only have one kid and I don't even get him that much shit. I want to know, I'm sure Ashley wants to know, what kind of bullshit have you heard from people if you only have one kid? Who's laid it on you? What kind of things have they said? If you are someone that has a lot of kids, do you feel this way? Your friends that only have one kid, are you the one that says that? I'm curious just to hear from both sides because Ashley and I obviously are 100% in agreement and on the same side. I want to hear about all the crazy bullshit people have said to you and what kind of bullshit you've said to other people. Hashtag swag bag. So mine, I'll tell you what it is first and then I'll tell you how I found it. It's the perfume Missing Persons by, I think it's Fur, P-H-U-R. I had never heard of Fur as a company, but it's the perfume Missing Persons. I am not really a perfume girl. I get headaches and stuff. I don't really like it. I wear hippie scented oils. You're a patchouli queen. Yes, exactly. It's actually musk and patchouli. I was reading this Refinery29 article about how Missing Persons has gone viral and it was a whole article about why they think it's so 
sold out and it's done so well. And the way that everyone described the scent was so fascinating. They were like, it's subtle and it feels like when you smell someone and it conjures up a memory and you start to cry. And a bunch of people smelled it and started crying and say, I can't put my finger on what it's making me think of, but it's kind of a happy feeling, but it's also sad. You know, when you have a boyfriend yes, and then you break up with them and then you're like on the subway and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, is that him? Just someone smells just like that person that you remember. So that's what they kept saying. And then when they talked about the notes in it, it seemed like something I might like. Although I don't usually like florals and they did describe this as kind of floral. I don't get that when I smell it on me. But you know, sometimes perfumes change scent on the person a little bit based on their chemistry. So I was like, this was such a well-written article. I'm going to go on Sephora and I'm just going to buy it and see what happens. So I bought the smaller one. It was like 30 bucks. And I had been eagerly anticipating it because it was sort of like getting a surprise box because I was like, I don't know what it smells. I just, this article is so fascinating. I put it on immediately and I cannot tell you I've been wearing it every single day. I love the smell of myself. I don't smell it all the time. It comes and goes. It's so fascinating that I called my best friend Val and was like, you got to get this perfume. And I described what it was and she goes, that is so weird. And she's like, I don't know what you mean, but I sent her the article. She goes, no, I want to buy it too. I know I want to buy it. I can't stop smelling myself. I love it. Mine is organizing. (laughs) And the big Joanne fabric sale where I ordered a few things I needed to help my organizing, like a little ribbon washi tape dispenser and a thing for my scrapbooking paper. Whatever. That's my boring old lady. Well, guys, there you have it. Have a wonderful rest of your life. See you next week. That was weird. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 